Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of From My Point of View. Big things to discuss today. We got the Redskins officially announcing that they are going to retire their nickname, a new name to be announced. They have, I think, some uh, some hurdles to jump over before they can come across a suitable name. Uh, Miles Garrett gets an extension with the Browns. Chris Jones gets an extension with the Chiefs. Woj got suspended and Russell Westbrook has the coronavirus. So we'll get to all that and a couple more things, including a movie review at the end of the episode. We'll keep it kind of brief, but there is a movie review. I realized I haven't done one in a while, and this is a brand new movie that just came out. And obviously I haven't done one for a while because I haven't been able to go to the movies. But this was a uh, a straight-to-Hulu movie, Palm Springs, with uh, Andy Samberg. So we'll get to that at the end of the episode. But to start uh, news, I talk about I talked about last episode the Redskins. Uh, they put out a statement, an official statement, saying it, it they will no longer be using the name Redskins. Uh, so it'll be changed. A popular one floating around is uh, the Washington Warriors, uh, and also KD threw his support behind the name the Washington Red Wolves. So a couple of those two names are kind of gaining some traction. Problem is, apparently, some random guy down in uh, the Maryland, Virginia, whatever, the D.C. area, put a patent or a trademark on a lot of the names that were being considered for the Redskins. So that seems to be some huge dilemma now that is, I mean, kudos to that guy. If that is true, if someone actually did do that, like that dude is living in the year 3020. Like he is ahead of the curve, super smart move. Cause now all these names that have gained traction, unless the Redskins somehow come out, come up with a name that is good and keep it in-house and no one knows until they announce it, that's fine. But if they want to go with one of the names that have been floating around in the general public, chances are this guy apparently put a trademark on it. So they'd have to pay him to get the rights to the name. And uh, I mean, it's just like a funny situation. Like, I don't understand how something like that happens, but I, I, good, good for that guy, I guess. Like, if the Redskins really want to be the Washington Warriors, um, chances are this guy already has a trademark on it, so they'll have to pay him to get the trademark. So, I mean, just uh, I guess it's a it's a major, major league move right there. That's just knowing knowing what you're doing. I I guess like I don't know. It's it's a very, a very weird situation. But the bottom line is that the Redskins, after Really what it is, just like kind of speculation and putting pressure on them. They finally uh, issued a an, an official team statement saying they will be retiring the nickname. So no more Redskins. Uh, oh, that's a win. Big win for the NFL. Big win for the United States, honestly. Um, and I'm sure the Cleveland Indians have been talking about changing the name. I mentioned that last week also. Uh, we'll see what they do. Um, Indians, of course, isn't very uh, 
it's not derogatory. It's bet Indians, I guess, talking about Native Americans, it is, I guess, uh, it would be politically and also technically incorrect because Indians are from India. They're not Native Americans. It's 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 different, even though that's what the mascot was and and all that for Cleveland. Uh, so they might change it. Who who knows? Maybe they change it to an actual the name of an actual Native American tribe. Uh, but that's a whole different thing. Who knows if they're even going to change it, uh, or if anyone's even going to come after them for changing it. But something to keep an eye out, uh, considering what happened with uh, the whole the Redskins situation. But Redskins are no more. They will have a new name this upcoming season. A couple other football things. Speaking of Cleveland, also, the Cleveland Browns uh, dealt out a five-year, $125 million extension to Miles Garrett. He gets paid. So that whole debacle uh, back in week whatever it was um, against the Steelers did not come back to bite him in the ass. He didn't lose any money. Uh, I guess his talent far outweighs that one mishap he had on the field, even though it was awful what he did. Um, not not a great thing. But he still got his money, so I guess good for him. You know, I guess. We'll see what happens uh, this season, how he performs. Uh, his talent is there, obviously, no question about it. When you look at it, just from through that lens, is he talented enough to have that money? Absolutely he is. So, Miles Garrett sticking around in Cleveland uh, with a five-year extension. Chris Jones was the other one who got paid by the Kansas City Chiefs. And I mentioned that uh, the Chiefs kind of made the Patrick Mahomes deal possible with some pretty savvy, I guess, salary cap manipulation or whatever. I don't know. Um, But they were able to pay Chris Jones. So Chris Jones, of course, incredible defensive tackle. Uh, One of, if not their, their most... One of, if not the most important defensive player on the Chiefs, I would argue maybe Tyron Matthew might be a little bit more important. Chris Jones is, I mean, if you say Chris Jones is the most important defensive player on the Chiefs, I'm not going to argue with you. So locking him up for four years, $85 million, huge guaranteed money, $60 million guaranteed of the 85 So he definitely got paid, 100% worth it. Um, and the Chiefs right now, they... Again, arguably the most important person on their defense they locked up and their most important person on offense they locked up for the foreseeable future. For Mahomes, it's the foreseeable and distant future. For Chris Jones, it's a foreseeable future. Four years, $85 million. Some NBA news. The big one, Woj. Adrian Wojnarowski, the NBA insider, very famous uh, on ESPN formerly Yahoo Sports, was suspended by ESPN, I think, for two weeks. He was suspended. A um, a Missouri governor, congressman, one of those guys, I think it was a, the Missouri governor, emailed the NBA. He, I think he CC'd Woj on the, on the email saying, if you're going to let um, the NBA players... 
put messages messages on the back of their jerseys like equality, Black Lives Matter, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, then why not let them put uh, messages supporting cops like Back the Blue, uh, Blue Lives Matter, stuff like that? And Woj just responded back, "Fuck you," and that that was that was the email. And um, people are people loved it. Like everyone was like, "Hell yeah, Woj." Fuck this guy. Um, good on Woj for saying that. Like, everyone really supported him. But, of course, ESPN is a uh, a very large company. And um, they're the face of many things. And, of course, they're owned by Disney. So, having one of your most reputable and respected uh, journalists saying fuck you to a governor is uh is not a great look. They didn't really degrade him in any way saying that I don't think ESPN put put out a a statement like really bringing down Woj. I think it was just like yeah, he's suspended for 2 weeks, which is fine. You got to do what you got to do. Uh but I I don't blame Woj one bit. Everyone supported him. Like, why though? Like, why are you suspending him for for saying something like that? Like, that's great. Blah blah blah. And uh, it, it just is what it is. You can't allow, regardless if if they actually. Now, I don't think anyone's gonna hold that against him. No one's gonna look at him any differently. If anything, they're gonna even probably respect him more. Um. So, Woj, coming in hot with that email. Just two words. Got right, to, got right to the point. Um, but he is suspended for two weeks by ESPN. And he will return because he was supposed to travel, of course, to the bubble, which all the teams reported there now and um, started practicing and all that. So he's supposed to be down there. I think he'll be down there the beginning of next week because that happened uh, 4th of July weekend, I think, like the 4th or the 6th or the 5th or the 6th sometime around there early July first week of July uh so next i think the beginning of the beginning of next week he should be there cuz he was suspended like that whole week initially and he issued like an apology on twitter or anything like that it it was not it's not like a big deal honestly like it really isn't something that like okay, he got suspended. He's gonna run out. He's gonna run through his suspension, and that's gonna be the end of it. You know, he's not. It's not gonna be anything terrible here. This was four days ago. He tweeted this, so the tenth. So it actually might be. I think he'll. He might be able to attend. He'll get there. I think just before the restart, he'll be able to come back. Uh, he said, "I was disrespectful." And I made a regrettable mistake. I'm sorry for the way I handled myself, and I am reaching out immediately to Senator Hawley to apologize directly. I also need to apologize to my ESPN colleagues because I know my actions were unacceptable and should not reflect on any of them. I don't. I don't think anyone has a problem with what he said. Honestly, uh, it just is what it is. Like good on Woj, but he will probably return. I think. So yeah, I'm pretty sure it was a two week suspension. So he'll be there before. The NBA restart. Uh, it's just that right now, all these things that are happening, uh, anything that happens in the bubble, all these other guys get to come and scoop in 
and get these uh, get these reports off while Woj is on the sideline because normally he'd be the one to kind of report on all these things that are happening, including Russell Westbrook testing positive for the coronavirus. So Westbrook tested positive last week or this this past this past week uh, for the coronavirus. So he will have to quarantine. I don't think the Rockets were down in Orlando yet. So when the Rockets go down there, he will not be joining them. Um, and he should. That happened yesterday. That was reported um, that he tested positive. So we'll say the 13th. He will be there by the 27th or the 28th. Uh, it's 14 days for him to quarantine. And this is the last stretch here. This is the last couple days that if you're gonna if you're gonna fuck up or if someone's gonna t- turn up positive, you'd want it to be in the next couple days. That way, by the time you're done quarantining for 14 days, you won't miss any games. But anything later than Friday, anyone testing positive or or fucking up in any way during the in the bubble, anything later than Friday is gonna result in you missing games. So uh, Russell Westbrook tested positive. Um, Rashawn Holmes is another guy. He like broke the perimeter of the of the complex, and even though he didn't test positive for anything, he broke the rules. So he has to quarantine for 14 days. So even that, it's not even a test, right? It's not even if you fail a test. If you break the perimeter of the complex. You have to quarantine for 14 days. It's no joke. The effort is definitely in there. Um, I know Miles Turner went out on, and I had a tweet and he said, you know, honestly, it's not that bad. The food isn't what they're used to, um, but the setup obviously took a lot of effort and a lot of planning and it's like greatly appreciated. Um, but all in all, so far as what I've seen uh, from NBA players' responses and stuff, it's not terrible, um, but Russell Westbrook was actually seen partying a week or two ago with Reggie Bush in, uh, I think it was in Vegas, uh, but he was out and about, not wearing a mask, um, and he tested positive for the coronavirus, so kind of a mistake there on Russell Westbrook's part, definitely going to have to avoid doing anything like that down in Orlando, uh, but a, a close call because if they were out, if they were without Russell Westbrook during the actual playing, it's kind of over for the Rockets, but he tested positive, so he's going to quarantine. Um, I think there was another person, I can't remember who, but I know Rashawn Holmes on the Kings, he tested, uh, he didn't test positive, he broke perimeter, so he has to quarantine. Westbrook tested positive. And I was confusing myself. I think those are the only two that so far got in tr- Well, Westbrook tested positive, but Rashawn Holmes broke perimeter, so he has to quarantine. I think that's it. And I was confusing myself. Aroldis Chapman for the Yankees actually has uh, the coronavirus and was showing sim- symptoms, so he won't be in camp for the foreseeable future. And uh, So, yeah, that's the little bit of news coming from inside the NBA bubble down in Orlando. Speaking of baseball, the bid to buy the New York Mets, it's heating up. It's getting real interesting. 
So, for those of you who remember me kind of uh, talking about this, I don't even know how long ago it was now. Maybe it was last year or six, it could have been six months ago. I can't remember. Hedge fund billionaire Steve Cohen wanted to buy the Mets. He was negotiating, negotiating, negotiating with the Wilpons, and eventually it all fell apart, and that was the end of it. Now, however, two, three months ago, whatever it was, uh, the Wilpons came out and said, all right, we're going to actually sell the team, and but we're going to do it not through just private negotiations. It's out there. You want to make a bid on the Mets? Make a bid. And that's how they were going to operate. Steve Cohen came in, highest bid. Um, he came in with a bid of $2 billion to buy the Mets and an additional $2 billion for SNY, the television station that the Mets are broadcasted through. Uh, and everything obviously associate associate with that. They do Mets games, but they have like original programming and other shit like that. That's what Steve Cohen came in with. So four billion dollars total for the Mets and SNY. The only right now, I think the the one rival uh, bid right now is the Alex Rodriguez and Jennifer Lopez joint bid. Uh, now, it's reported from what I read that the Wilpons would rather sell to A-Rod than to uh, the the billionaire hedge fund manager or whatever he is, Cohen. They'd rather sell to A-Rod than, than him. However, the bid from Alex Rodriguez and Jennifer Lopez is $1.7 billion for the Mets. They're, I don't think they're even sniffing SNY because uh, Cohen wants the whole thing. He wants the whole package. He wants the Mets and he wants the TV station. He wants the entire thing. With A-Rod and J-Lo, they're just trying to get the team. I, they're not even thinking about SNY. And if that's the case and they get the team, then the Wilpons would still have control over SNY. So in a sense, they kind of still have like a, a toe in the, in the pond of the Mets and everything having to do with them. They'd still be around. They'd be lurking with SNY, reaping some of that benefit, you know? Steve Cohen wants to take everything and just kick the Wilpons to the curb. Get out. Here's, your, here's $4 billion. Leave everything else alone. Leave it alone. It's mine now. So with A-Rod and J-Lo, their offer for the team is $1.7 billion as of right now. And they are... The majority, I believe, of a large group of athletes. So A-Rod and J-Lo put up, I think they have the majority stake if they were to get the team, of course. Uh, it's their bid. But other athletes that are included in the bid who have pushed money forward for to A-Rod and J-Lo to get the, the Mets. Chiefs tight end, uh, Travis Kelsey. Uh, retired Bears linebacker and Hall of Famer Brian Urlacher. Former running back DeMarco Murray. Former offensive tackle Joe Thomas. Mason Plumley, Denver Nuggets. And Washington Wizards guard Bradley Beal. So a very interesting array of uh, not one ball player besides A-Rod, of course. Not one ball player in there, a uh, baseball player in the group 
three retired or one current NFL player, three retired NFL players, and two current NBA players. So an interesting group. Kind of makes you wonder how... I mean, A-Rod, of course, he was super popular. Well, I mean, depends on how you look at him. But I don't know if popular was the word when he was playing. But he was very well known. He was very famous, obviously. a lot. Everyone knew who Alex Rodriguez was. Um, I'm sure he met a lot of people during his playing days. And now that he's retired and uh, kind of in the um, the media industry now, I'm sure he's met a lot of other people outside of baseball now, of course. So that's assuming how I think Travis Kelsey came out and said, you know, he had a chance to meet A-Rod a few years ago and then was reached out for this opportunity and he had to take it. So you have all these guys in the... Uh, the bid with A-Rod and J-Lo. I don't know. I, I really don't know how I feel about either situation. Steve Cohen, I was in on Steve Cohen. When he was the only guy trying to buy the Mets and he was negotiating with the Wilpons, I was in on him. I was like, this guy, he likes baseball. He does. He's he's a fan. Uh, so he likes baseball and uh, he wants to... Be active with the Mets. Not as not like the Wilpons, but he just wants to run the Mets more efficiently. He seemed like a guy, like his pitch, everything seemed pretty reliable for the most part, right? So I was in on Steve Cohen, him buying it, but now I would I would really like to have A-Rod be an owner of a New York team. So Jeter, of course, my favorite player of all time, former Yankee, right? He goes down to Florida, lives there, buys the Marlins. Uh, him and like one or two other people, I think, buy the Marlins. Awesome. Jeter suddenly is now uh, the head of this professional ball club. Um, obviously, he's, he guts the entire team, trades away like all their assets, and is just building them up from scratch right now. Uh, but it's it's cool. Jeter is, is there. He's he's working with the Marlins and he's trying to build them into an, a competing a competitive team. A Rod, of course, I don't know if him and Jeter talk anymore. I don't know if they talk like at all uh, or what the relationship is like now. Um, I I assume I assume it's not very good. However, for him, he wanted to go to the Mets. For those of you who are unaware of Alex Rodriguez's past, when he was on the Texas Rangers and he wanted to be traded, originally he was going to be traded to Boston, um, or, or I think originally he wanted to go to the Mets, and the Mets were like, we can't, we can't do it, sorry, like we can't do it, we can't give you the contract you want if you came here. Um, obviously, huge blunder on their part. Uh, but they did, it's not like they, well, they could have used a shortstop. I don't, I don't know what they would have done with A-Rod because they had Reyes and they had a super young Jose Reyes and David Wright in back in 04, 05. So I don't know where they do with A-Rod. Probably stick him at shortstop. Reyes moves over to second or something like that. Anyway, the Mets said, no, we can't do it. We can't swing that kind of cash A-Rod's way. It's not going to happen. So A-Rod was like, all right, whatever. Then he was supposed to go to Boston. That didn't work out. Um, and he ended up going to the Yankees, right? That was it. Long story short. 
Supposed to go to the Mets, didn't happen. Supposed to go to Boston, didn't happen. Ended up with the Yankees. Great. But he lo- he loved the Mets growing up. He I think it's on record. He said that he was uh when he was living in New York when because he's from New York, but he grew up in Miami. Um, he was a Mets fan. So and of course J Lo is uh I mean I think J Lo is a Yankees fan because she's from the Bronx. But uh regardless, both of them from New York. They have New York roots. Uh, for them to purchase the Mets, they would also be one of the very few minority owners. A majority owner who are, are they are minorities, right? They there's most of these owners in the MLB. I think all of them actually uh, are white, so it creates diversity in that aspect. A Rod, of course, is Dominican. Jennifer Lopez is Puerto Rican. It's a it's a good look for. The MLB. And I don't know how involved Major League Baseball is with the sale of the Mets. I don't, I don't know if they're going to push the Will Ponds to sell to A-Rod instead of Steve Cohen. Maybe they don't want a deal. They don't want like a hedge fund guy being the owner of one of their baseball teams. They'd rather sell to A-Rod. And the Will, if I'm the Will Ponds, and it's a... Listen, we're talking about a shit ton of money here, right? So if I'm the Will Ponds and it's like a $200 million difference, Steve Cohen, first of all, is offering $4 billion. It's a lot of money. If you're the Will Ponds, you're already multi-millionaires. I think they might be billionaires at this point. I'm not sure. But they have all the money in the world. They They can give away the Mets for free and never have to work another day in their life. Right? That's how much money they have. So if you're looking at an offer, let's say let's say the A-Rod J-Lo group are able to get another hundred million dollars in there. And they and they boost it up to one point eight billion dollars. You have an offer from A-Rod and J-Lo of one point eight billion dollars for the team. And you get to keep SNY and you don't do anything with that. Right, you just own it. You're not involved with that. You're not uh, touching that television-wise. You're just kind of reaping the benefits of that television station. So you keep SNY and you give the Mets to A Rod and J Lo and let them work it out. Or if you're really solely about the money, and I I really do believe that the Will Ponds care about the Mets. It's just that they are not the people to to risk it all to build a team. They're too concerned with money rather than the product they're putting on the field. I do really believe that they want the Mets to succeed, right? They don't there's no way they enjoy being the laughing stocks of New York when it comes to like baseball, right? It has to irk them a little bit to see that the Yankees what they go and spend and and all that. And the Will Ponds have, they've shelled out a couple contracts here and there, but they also have shelled out a couple contracts that have not worked out for them, and I think it scared them a lot. But I really do believe they want the teams to succeed. They are just not, they're not the right people to run a baseball team. They're just not. Do I think Steve Cohen's that guy? I'm not sure, but if you're the Will Ponds and you just want the money and and say, fuck it, I don't care about the future of the team, it's more about just what what we want, 
we as in Fred and Jeff Wilpon, like what we want. And if what you want is money, then the obvious choice is Steve Cohen. You get $4 billion and wipe your hands clean of everything. But if you're trying to be... <laughs> if you're trying to be nice and, and really think about the future of the Mets, because you, you see now that, first of all, for them to even like be considering selling the team is a testament in and of itself that they they no longer believe that they are capable of running an MLB organization, right? I, and whether they believe that or not, or they're just being forced out, doesn't really matter. They're willing to sell the team now, which is something that hasn't even been a, an option for forever. So the fact that they're willing to sell a team is important. But who they sell it to, it depends on their state of mind. You know, again, if it's all about the money, Cohen's the obvious choice. But if you actually care which I believe they do, if you actually care about um, the organization, obviously A-Rod is the choice because he is a guy who will take all available assets and, and just funnel it into the Mets. Like He will try and win them a championship more than any other billionaire out there Uh will because he he's a smart guy first of all so it's not even that he needs he can he'll it's not even that he'll be willing to shell out the money to get good guys to come to play for the Mets it's that he'll be able to find guys on the cheaper end and and plug them in because he just has an eye for talent and for the game and he knows a lot of the players he knows who's who he knows what guys are capable of. So just in that regard, he'd be, I think he'd be an excellent owner, MLB owner. I think he'd be an excellent GM. I think he'd be a better GM than an owner, but he wants to own a team, which is, he doesn't want to work for anyone. He wants to own a team, which is totally fine. It doesn't really matter either way. He's going to be calling the shots. Uh, but I think he he has a very, obviously he's a, a very strong instinct for the game of baseball that's why he should be a hall of famer i'm, I'm getting off track but yeah again it, it just comes down to what the will ponds really want now obviously if the if steve cohen decides to bump it up and say hey i'll give you three billion dollars for the mets and for sny and he bumps it up from four billion to six billion dollars then I don't think A-Rod and J-Lo can, can really compete. Right now, you know, Steve Cohen came in with the highest bid, and A-Rod and J-Lo were able to make a competitive offer with their group that they assembled. Uh, but if Steve, I think if Steve Cohen really wants to, like he has just really stupid money. So if, if he wants to bump it up like another billion dollars, then A-Rod and J-Lo, I don't know if they're going to be able to to make a competitive offer, and then it'll, at that point, it's just the Will Ponds. It's out of their hands at that point. Like you have to give this the team to Steve Cohen if if he really if he out comes over the top and just completely washes A Rod and J Lo out with an offer like a billion times a billion dollars more than theirs. There's nothing you can do about that. It just is what it is at that point. 
Okay, movie review time. Palm Springs. A rom-com uh, starring Andy Samberg and Kristen Milioti. I think I said that right. Um, Andy Samberg, of course, The Lonely Island, uh, SNL, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, a bunch of other stuff. Uh, Kristen Milioti, if you remember her, she is actually the mom in How I Met Your Mother. That's what I recognized her from. Uh, Camila Mendez is in it from Riverdale, and Tyler Hawkins in it from Teen Wolf, and he was uh, Superman for a hot minute in the CW shows. J.K. Simmons is in it. Peter Gallagher, a lot of a lot of good actors in this movie. Um, it was produced actually by the Lonely Island. So Andy Samberg, Akiva Schaefer, and Jorma Tacone, who are the three guys from the Lonely Island. It was produced by their, I guess, uh, production company that they own. Uh, very funny. Very funny. So if you didn't see it at all with the trailers, uh, first of all, it's on Hulu. You can go watch it on Hulu right now if you have a Hulu subscription. I wasn't, I'm not sure if it was supposed to come out in theaters or they just made it to be like a, a Hulu original movie. Um, but it came out on Hulu. Spoiler alerts ahead, of course. Uh, if you want my quick review, really funny movie, super cute. Andy Sandberg was great in it. Um, I would definitely go and recommend this movie. Uh, if you have a Hulu account, go watch it. But from here on out, full re full review if you have seen it. Uh, obviously, great. Listen to the review. See if you agree with me. But it's uh, a lot of spoilers. I'm going to be talking about like pretty much a quick overview of the plot and all that. So, again, spoiler alert if you haven't seen the movie. Starts with Andy Samberg. His character is Niles. So, Niles starts with him. Wakes up, everything seems kind of casual, and uh, at this wedding, he starts flirting with Sarah, who is the other protagonist, the female protagonist, and they eventually start hooking up, and they're at this, again, they're at this uh, wedding. Sarah's sister, which is Camila Mendes' character, uh, it's her wedding. So Niles and Sarah start hooking up, and they eventually go and uh, go wander off into the wilderness or whatever near the resort that they're staying at. And uh, Andy Samberg starts getting attacked by a guy named Roy, he screams out, gets hit with a couple arrows, and eventually wanders into his cave. He tells Sarah not to follow him as he goes and gets sucked in to the cave. And Sarah, of course, follows him, and they end up in a time loop. So Sarah eventually figures out, and uh, Niles... Of course, kind of tells her and directs her. Or she finds out that no matter what she does, there's no escaping it. And Andy Samberg um, has been living this life of just a continuous cycle of reliving the same day over and over and over and over and over again for an undisclosed amount of time. I mean, he's, he's wildly depressed. He is really dug his heels in as far as like, there is no meaning to life. There's no purpose. There's nothing I can do. Like, it's just loneliness and sadness, and he hates it, right? And they don't tell you how Niles got sucked into there or anything like that, but he is a guy who was a part of it, right? He he was the, the first to get stuck in this cycle, 
And J.K. Simmons' character, Roy, is actually a guy that he was at the wedding, and Niles partied with him and eventually took him to this spot where you can get sucked into this time loop. And uh, Roy walked in, and he got trapped with him, and it kind of sparked this rivalry where Roy would show up occasionally. He lives in Irvine, California, and the the wedding's somewhere in the... I don't even know where it is. Actually, I forgot. But Roy show, only shows up every once in a while. Uh, and when he does, he tries to kill Andy Samberg, and they go through a whole montage of what he's done, uh, tortures him, all that kind of stuff. And Andy Samberg makes it a point. Pain is very real. It's not fun being a menace or hurting people or anything like that because you still have to live with yourself with what you done, with what you did, even though everything resets at the end of it. It doesn't matter. You still have to live with those thoughts and those actions that you do. So he could tries to live his life with as little effort as possible. And also prolonged pain. Quick deaths only. If you die during the the whole day or whatever, before it re- if you die, it resets. But the way you die is important because you can go prolonged pain, slow, painful deaths are not fun. That's one of the key points there. Anyway... Niles is the original guy stuck in the loop. Roy is also in it. And uh, Sarah is the last to join. And she and Niles develop eventually after being friends. Um, They eventually sleep with each other and develop a romantic relationship. Sarah wakes up. And the morning that she relives every single day is... A morning where she wakes up after having slept with her sister's fiancé the night before their wedding. So she has to wake up to that day every day. And she's actually kind of known in her family as like the drunk or the screw up or whatever. So they kind of build her as this, you know, floozy kind of character who doesn't really care about the consequences of her actions. So she has to wake up to that morning every day. And she would always leave the the beginning part of the movie. Every time she met up with Niles, she would wake up, leave the room, and go to his room. But one time she sleeps in, and her sister's fiance comes out, and he's like, "Hey, like maybe we should, like, maybe we should go. Like this isn't." So obviously she's like guilt ridden with that, and it's at that point that she asks, or it's at that point after all that happens, she doesn't let Niles know, but Niles. Eventually, lets it her spill. Let's he spills the beans that they have slept together thousands of times. His words. Uh, that sends her kind of over the edge, um, and she's really fucking pissed, and she just disappears. Niles doesn't know where she goes. You know, he wakes up day after day after day, goes to her room, not there, looking around, asking everyone, and of course, everyone doesn't really even know, barely even knows who he is. Um, and they're very confused as to why he's looking for Sarah. Um, but So he kind of just starts spiraling down because he realizes he's in love with her and she kind of just disappeared. Gets very sad, but he, she eventually shows up and there's a montage that shows what she's been doing. She's been waking up early every day, driving to a diner, and literally teaching herself like quantum theory or 
um, like the multiverse, like learning about the multiverse and all that kind of stuff. And she inevitably, inevitably finds out a way to, or a theory to escape the time loop. And then they have a long-winded conversation. And while that, while she's figuring that out, Niles also finds out that she slept with her sister's fiance, and that's why she's so miserable and wants to escape so badly because he doesn't really want to escape that badly. He's grown accustomed to the life and also kind of afraid, like, what if it doesn't work and they end up just dying? But eventually, they come to an agreement because he explains to her, like, I'm in love with you, and she's like, of course you are. I'm the only one who, like, remembers you or, or is able to actually have a relationship with you. Of course I, you love me. They eventually come to agreement where it's like, okay, we're going to escape and we're going to get out of here. Um, and before they escape, Sarah leaves a message on Roy's phone, J.K. Simmons' character, uh, Roy's phone about a way to escape. Um, so Sarah and Niles go in hand in hand. And essentially what they have to do is they have to walk into the cave where this portal thing, I guess, is and pretty much blow themselves up as they get sucked into the time vortex or whatever it is. And that would propel them out of the time loop. It ends up working, and they live happily ever after, assuming. Credits roll, and there's actually an after-credits scene. Or like a mid-after-credits scene. Um, and it's J.K. Simmons' character. He shows up to the wedding. So Roy comes over to Niles, and he's like, Hey, like your silly little, like your silly little girlfriend left me a message about a possible way to get out, blah, blah, blah. And Niles looks at him and he has no idea who he is. And Niles walks away and Roy's like, well, I'll be damned. There is a way to get out. So you're kind of left at the original ending of the movie. You're kind of left with, well, what about Roy? What about Roy? Like, is he just going to get stuck in that day forever? Like, yeah, of course. He said he was happy, but like he should be able to, to leave. And it turns out that Sarah left him a message explaining how to get out. It all works out. All happy endings. Um, they're all able to live out their lives, et cetera, et cetera. But one of the questions that I actually was really, really bugging me the entire time was how long was San Andy Sandberg's character Niles in the time loop? And he mentions, uh, when Sarah, when he spills the beans to Sarah about the, how they slept together so many times, he says, oh, please, this happened a thousand times. And she looks at him like, what? So he says thousands of times. Assuming that's, you know, thousands of, of days, minimum, you know, obviously it could be a hyperbole, so let's just say a couple hundred, he's probably been in, and it's including the, not even the days he's just lived out in, in its entirety and then gone to sleep and wake up, but including the amount of deaths he's had, he also mentioned he's tried to kill himself hundreds of times, he's probably been living in there for, in that time loop for years, and he mentions, of course, that he has his concept of time is is really fucked up. Of course, he doesn't know what days are which, how many weeks ago was what, because it's the same day over and over again. So who knows how long he's been living in there in the time loop? It could have been decades at that point. So who knows? But that's something that I'm pretty curious about. Maybe the director or Andy Samberg will come out and X amount. It's been X amount of time since Niles was in there, since Roy was in there or whatever. Or how long, I want to know how long even Sarah was in, it was in the time loop. So that's the plot. Um, I really liked it. Again, it's a romantic comedy. 
right? I haven't seen a good romantic comedy in a while, by the way, but this one was was pretty good. It's got great reviews. Uh, Ron Tomatoes has it at like a 93. Uh, it's funny. It's funny. It's it's a well-done movie. I, I like the whole time loop aspect of it. I think that's great. Um, Andy Samberg, of course. Andy Samberg couldn't fart, and I'll think it's funny. Like, I, I love him and all the Lonely Island guys. I think they're hilarious. Uh, but it was it was good. It was really good. It was a nice, charming movie. And it's not a movie where it's like, oh, haha, like you're you're crying, laughing. It's like a it's a chuckle laugh movie, right? It's it's entertaining, it's lighthearted. Uh, there are some darker parts, uh, but for the most part, it's pretty lighthearted, and uh, it's it's fun. It's a good movie. So I saw it. I might recommend it. I'll go watch it with my girlfriend or something. But if you're looking for a rom-com to watch with a significant other or whoever, I would recommend this one for sure. If I had to put a put letter grade on it, I'd give it uh, an A-. There you go. I'd give it an A-. So give it like a 90 out of 100. It was a really good movie. I really liked it a lot. Um. That's that's it. That's the review. I know it was a bit choppy. I apologize. I haven't done a movie review in a while. So I don't know. Maybe it was just a little bit I was just a little bit rusty. But that will uh, that'll wrap it up for this episode after that movie review. Uh maybe I I just re- like I'm realizing it's I haven't done one in a while, so maybe I'll try and watch uh some new movies. I know there's a whole thing on HBO I want to talk about also. Um I'll be gone in the dark. I only watched the first episode. I know they had like three episodes now. I might talk about that or some other movies that come out. Uh, HBO, of course, has a shit ton of stuff. I might write a blog about BoJack Horseman, too. Um, I'm, I'm almost done with that show, and it's, it's so good. First movie review in a while in the books, and this episode... Episode 92 in the books as well. Uh, Thank you all very much for listening. Have a great weekend, and I will talk to you all next Wednesday. Shots, I've been acting bougie. You all of a sudden, all these stars let me in their Gucci. They gon' make their pussy pop, tryna get my blue cheese. Low key, I be in the streets, kinda holding. Low key, cause the industry, I'm not the homie. Low key, started peeping, niggas, not my homie. Phony, nigga, hate that she's like macaroni. Yeah, I remember last year, niggas went to Coney. Never thought that this year I have a deal with Sony. Little TJ, I-